Castle Maman. Are you brave enough? Enter the ghoulish Castle Maman, a world of fantasy gaming you control via your own touch-tone phone. Adventure comes alive as you snake through a maze of eerie flesh-eaters, dodge the sizzle of fireballs hurling toward you, and finally reach the gold hidden deep in the Demon Prince's pitch-dark underground dungeon. You can win gold, genuine gold, in heated monthly competitions. Call if you dare. Hints on play. Keep pencil and paper handy to track your choices. Dial zero to hear the previous message. Dial nine to hear your character's status report. As for supplier communications incorporated, 151st minute, 75 cents additional minutes, children ask your parents permission. 1-900-230-9090. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Derek. Let him contemplate his random banter on the tree of woe. Crucify him. Random banter time, buddies! Talk to me, tell me tales of tantalizing tidbits of trivia. Tell me about yourselves. How is everybody? Well, that was dark. That was a very dark way of entering into this arena of fun that we have here. Yeah, it was very vengeful. Very vengeful. Very mm-hmm. acts of vengeful. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm, I'm actually thinking, was that, was that from Uncanny X-Men? That was not from Uncanny X-Men. Okay. Do you have any idea, Derek, where that random banner might have been inspired from? No, I was just enjoying the melodious tones. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to track it down. Okay. If... Let's just say, if Darth Vader uh-huh. was talking to Kindergarten Cop, what movie would you be in? If Darth Vader was talking to Kindergarten Cop, that's James Earl Jones oh, 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 and... Oh, Conan. Yes. Yes. Yes, that is a quote from Conan. Tree of Woe. Let him contemplate his fate on the Tree of Woe. I uh, I was sitting there going, wait, which Darth Vader? I, I flashed through all these. I'm like, Arnold doesn't belong with Hayden. No. Arnold doesn't belong with David Prowse. No. Aha! <laughs> no? Yeah, I was going through the same thing. I'm like, where, who, what movie was? Oh, wow, back in time. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes, well but played. You're welcome. But do you know why I picked that one? Uh, wow, that's another good question. No. Because, Derek, do you know? No. Because when put upon the Tree of Woe, he, Conan, was being pecked at by... Vulture. Oh, a vulture. A vulture. (laughs) Ta-da. Which turns out, in all actuality, was actually a dead vulture that the crew found in the desert, and they had Conan bite a... Schwarzenegger was biting a dead vulture bird that he tore around in his mouth, and then they're like, don't swallow! Just rinse a lot! Here, just antibiotics and stuff. So they just gave him a dead bird to chew on. I just had a fantastic (laughs) vision of Arnold Schwarzenegger just ripping into Michael Keaton's throat now. There you go. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be a weird film, but interesting, kind of cool. So we are way past it now, but I would like to introduce Derek Crab, co-host of the Fan Holes podcast for our wonderful Acts of Vengeance crossover little mini-sode that we got going on here. So Derek, welcome to our crazy little show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. This is This is going to be a lot of fun. I know there's a bunch of podcast people that are participating in this whole Acts of Vengeance crossover event, so I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Yeah, I know, I, you know, we just missed the window of when this came out and when the Power Pack Acts of Vengeance issue hit in our regular run. If it had lined up, that would have been great, but you can't pay us any money whatsoever to go back and revisit <laughs> that issue. So There's um, a volume of money you could give hey, me. It's, it's, I would it, still exists. it still exists. It's it's still exists. It's there. Exists. We, if anybody wants to listen to us review it, be our guest. We're just not going to touch it again. So I've always wanted to get a little bit more out into the podcasting community and try to cross over where we can with other with other shows. Is just because we've got an episodic show, it doesn't always fit. This one, uh, a little bit of a curve to enter into this realm of talking about the New Mutants because, you know, we can do whatever we want. It's our show. <laughs> hey, Power Pack has interacted with New Mutants many times. Yep. They've also yep. interacted with Spider-Man many, many times. Yep. Vulture is a Spider-Man and, villain. It all ties mm-hmm. together, baby. And and the the creative team of this issue is Louis Simonson, Bob yeah. Wyacek, yeah. Glennis Oliver. I mean, some of those Tom names. Yeah, some of those names yeah. sound familiar for some reason. S- sound very, very familiar. Very familiar. So we can actually point to Louis Simonson like, Wheezy, we're reviewing another one of your issues again. <laughs> we're sticking uh, so, in the same era of time of 35 years yeah, ago or so. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I really, really appreciate you having us involved in this and to come on to our show with us and to, you know, follow our crazy little format that we've yeah, got. Yeah, no, this is, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I do appreciate that you have heard our show and, and listened to our show bef- uh, before because I recognize... Uh, like most of us that do our podcasts, it's, we've got a niche of a niche show. I mean, we're, we're, we tend to go for like specific things. Sometimes we'll have some shows that are more inclusive. And we're bringing in a lot more fans to, to listen to what we're talking about. We're asking the people who like Power Pack to come and listen to us. <laughs> so it's, it's... My secret dream back when I lived in L.A. was to, to successfully pitch a Power Pack movie, which never happened. But if I was going to do the elevator pitch way, way back then when it was like, you know, 2002 or whatever, mm-hmm. my elevator pitch would have been Spy Kids meets X-Men. Like, so so go go do it, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah, yeah no, I, I could see it. I, I think there's, especially now, I think Marvel could pick up on this and they could have a nice little kid show that they could wrap around Power Pack. Really yeah. lean yeah. into... The alternate uh, version that came out in 2000s that Mark Sumerak was doing, that would be the perfect kind of version that they could do a nice little kids version on. Nice little animated show. Yeah. Be perfect for Marvel, for Disney+. I, Plus. I, I was I was super duper mad at Rise of the Silver Surfer because I was all Harlan Ellison. I was like, they stole my idea because my, my big thing was I was like, okay – like when I was going to do the pitch, I was like, okay, so you got all the power pack kids and everything, but then the big bad comes in and then they have to save the day. So they all give Alex their powers and he becomes power packs at the climax of the film <laughs> and he saves the day and everything. And then I'm like, and then at the end, they all get their powers back and they zoom towards the camera and they play, we're the kids in America. And that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But you know, I was like, then, then Rise of the Silver Server came out and I was like, they gave Johnny Storm like all the fantastic. And I was like, what? No, no. But now, now the statute of limitations has probably passed. So maybe, maybe they can still do that. You know. 
Or they could just bring uh, uh, Chris Evans back, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, that actually explains why uh, during the credits of Rise of the Silver Surfer, they were like, haha, eat it, Derek. Yes, yes. <laughs> I never understood that little part, but now I totally get it, so that's good. And then, you know, at the end, uh, the end, Frank Langella comes up and is like, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we aren't covering Power Pack. We are covering New Mutants. And that means that we got to figure out where we're at in the entire New Mutants franchise so that we can talk about this issue that's just in the middle of a run. Jeff, you think you can handle that? I could probably figure out something. Now can you do it in two sentences? No. <laughs> During the Inferno storyline, the Exterminators teamed up with the New Mutants to help rescue mutant babies from the demon Nastra, who was using them to help keep open a portal to Limbo. Skids aided the New Mutants and Namor the Submariner against an undersea monster. At the conclusion of Inferno, Skids joined the New Mutants, along with Rusty, Richter, and Boom Boom. Skids and Rusty learned that Freedom Force were taking mutant infants that were abducted during the demonic invasion into government custody for exploitation. Rusty and Skids were separated from the group for some time. Freedom Force surrounded them at the Statue of Liberty Island. Skids' force field blocks their attacks, but they simply wait until pure exhaustion drops her. Rusty's flames are neutralized by the Freedom Force member Pyro, who can control any flames generated by another source. The pair was captured by Freedom Force. I am pretty sure that that was not two senses. Now that the way more than two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Fine, fine, fine. Now, I gave you a big old bag yesterday. Yep. Big old big bag. Big old bag. Yeah. Big old bag. And there was three beers in there, and they're all the same yep. beer. So you can choose one of those beers. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to find out. I still haven't looked. I noticed they were bottles. That's all that I discovered. Yeah. And we have, ooh, Milk Stout. America Stout. By Left-Handed Brewing Company. From our hand to yours. And story time on it is different beer, different pour. You are missing one vital word in saying what's on the label. <laughs> it's got a green label and it's got a three-leaf shamrock on it. Oh, and it's got like a, a green cow's bell on this green field. And, and what's on the green, green cow's bell? What does it say right there? <laughs> well, underneath something, it says America's Stout. <laughs> But in the middle, what he's talking about is nitro. This is so on the nose that yes. uh, <laughs> this was very, very easy. Yeah. We have an if we have an issue with new mutants that has a guy named Nitro. I'm going to find a beer that's got nitro on it. Done. It is the it is the prominent font. It is the biggest font on here. This is the there's like I said, the milk stout, America stout, da, 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 da. nitro, right? Just it's what it is. So yes. Nitro. So that's what we're drinking. Uh, did you bring anything to drink tonight, Derek? Uh, let's see. I tried to do the tie-in. I have my Power C machine, which is very orange, and that's to honor Rusty, because he seems to be the <laughs> primary protagonist here. And then uh, my usual drink of choice is my, my green tea with honey and lemon, and that is to honor the vulture, because it's green tea. Because it's green tea. Yeah, I guess we also have the green on here, which also... Uh, yeah, is vulture colors. Vulture colors as well. So mm -hmm. there you go. Right. Two for one on that one. Very Nitro. nice. Plus also it's a milk stout. So yeah. And it's what is actually kind of cool on this is that it has instructions on the bottle cap. It has a red hand coming up that says flip your bottle. And then you look at it and it does have a font on the label that's upside down and you turn it upside down. It says activate your nitrogen. Pour hard to release the nitro magic. <laughs> so 
I think they just want you to shake this one up a lot, which I've done several times because I keep flipping it over to read it, and I'm like, well, let's see how this is going to open. <laughs> I'm glad it's your house and not mine. <laughs> yeah. We've done it at both of our places. Not to say that I haven't uh, exploded many a beer in that basement doing the yeah. show. <laughs> I'm looking at stuff rising up. I'm going, ah, okay, I did it. Ah. Nice. I'm a tidy hero. I didn't destroy my base. I didn't destroy the floor, or the couch, or my lap. Captain America and Iron Man are not fighting one another after you've exploded <laughs> the beer all over the place. Well, while he's uh, pouring that, I will say that this is definitely a milk stout where you cannot see it through it. It's my favorite kind of beer. I can hold it up and not see Jeff. Ah. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> that's a mean joke. <laughs> it is a mean joke. No, that's great. Yeah, I'm holding this up to bright lights. That is opaque, baby. That is dark, dark, dark. That's got a nice very, little head on it. Very Guinnessy looking, you know? Very yeah, much so, yeah. Very it's much a so. Milk yeah, it's got a very big, uh, about an inch deep, creamy, thick head on that. Smells like a nitro stout to me. It's uh, it's got it's got all the characteristics of a thing that I want to drink many yes. many times. So and, and and it's not an IPA. So cheers, my friend. Mm-hmm. Pro- a prost to stouts. This is rich. It is creamy. It is very very smooth. There is no bitterness at all. No. This is straight down the throat. This is like drinking a nice frothy milk drink. This is a beer. This is the kind of beer I like drinking. I mm-hmm. love this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is it's super smooth. It's kind of got the uh, coffee, chocolatey flavor going yep. on it that most stouts do. It's just it. This is a milk stout. If you know what a milk stout tastes like, boom, there you are. That's what yep. it is. Yeah, it's it's clear. It's crisp. It's very very smooth. I, the smooth is the best thing I can say. It's like drinking yep. silk. Yep, 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 yep. I've got nothing to say except love this. I I like this. I like left hand brewing. It's a good brewery. This is 6% alcohol by volume, and it's got 25 IBUs. So 6% IBU, or 6% ABV, it's not too strong for us, which is good. we got to keep a clear head while we're going through this book. How is your tea? How is your uh, Energy C? It, they're, they're both very, very good. I, um, I'm going to save the Energy C for a little later, but I'm almost done with the tea. It's, 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 it was, it was uh, piping hot when we started, and now it's kind of just you know a little warm, but it's, it's good. We could probably do a better job if we took care of our throats and our voices by drinking something nice like tea, but we don't. We we are rough and rugged, and we like to injure ourselves as much as possible. I mean, that's that's what the honey's for, so, you know. Yeah. Ah, ah, okay. Oh, smooth and nice. That tea sounded good. I uh, used to drink tea way back in the day and then got away from it for a long time, and then about a year ago, really started getting into being a tea drinker again, so that's like every other day a pot goes on. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying all those... Um, Keurig uh, capsules for for the green tea and stuff like that. So <laughs> now that we all have our beverages, let's go ahead and get around to reviewing this actual book, and we can only do that with the opening credits. Jeff, if you please. New Mutants issue number eighty six, February nineteen ninety. Bang! You're dead. Credits: Writer: Louis Simonson. Penciler: Rob Liefeld. Inker: Bob Wyacek. Letterer: Joe Rosen. Colors: Glennis Oliver. Editor, Bob Harris. Editor-in-Chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring the New Mutants, or a couple of them. Rusty Collins, a.k.a. Firefist. He's a young mutant who has the power to create and control fire. Sally Bevins, a.k.a. Skids, a mutant who could not control her powers of a personal force field and who used to live with Morlocks, but now she can control them. Guest starring The Vulture. An elderly gentleman who has mechanical wings that make him fly. He's also 
Got superhuman strength. He's bad, by the way. The Tinkerer, an elderly gentleman who builds stuff, mostly for criminals who pay him the big bucks. He's also bad. Nitro, a guy who can blow himself up, instigating the most horrible Marvel crossover event ever, and then reform himself. He's bad, too. There is nothing worse than an angry old man busting into your house in the middle of the night to yell at you for walking on his lawn. I think he's mad because someone stole the designs of his suit. Whatever. Same thing. Jeff, are you and your neighbor still fighting? You accidentally run over a guy's mailbox one time, and then another time, and then another time, and then another time, and and it becomes this whole thing. Okay. The Vulture is here because he's angry. Angry that the Tinkerer had the audacity to steal his designs and make a duplicate of his winged suit. The Vulture knows this because he was inside prison and was delivered these wings, recognized the craftsmanship, and then promptly escaped with them. Hang on a second. This guy is given the tools to escape prison, and he's going to hunt down the guy who made them? Why? I mean... How about becoming this guy's best friend and setting up a repeat business order for the next time he's caught? You ever hear of a pull box? Because he will be caught and put in prison again and again. I think, and hear me out, I think that the vulture may not be the sharpest talent on the claw. We see what you did there. Welcome to the show, Derek. The jokes don't get any better from here. Ba-dum-bum. Back in the book, we have the wonderful sight of the newest iteration of grumpy old men as the two senior citizens fight. And, you know, I'm not really impressed. Yeah, I agree. The Tinkerer's defenses release a couple of loose, non-immobilizing bolos around the vulture. Then the Tinkerer, carrying a grenade, walks up close enough for the bird-themed crook to grab him by the neck. Now, correct me if I am wrong, but I don't think that grenades are close-quarters combat weapons. You, sir, are not wrong, but I think he was just using it as a deterrent. Birdbrain is angry that the Tinkerer stole his designs, something which the mad scientist takes umbrage at. Steal? He didn't steal. He was given a job, and he did it. He was paid to build the wings and send them to the Vulture. He was also informed that the Vulture was to attack a specific hero as his price for freedom. Uh, any guesses who this specific hero is? Please say Dr. Druid. Please say Dr. Druid. Ooh, uh, ooh, Vulture versus Archangel. That would be thematic. But it would also be followed by a funeral. Good guesses, but all wrong. He has to fight everyone's favorite 90s hero, Speedball! Uh, your fascination with Speedball is going to be the death of me. The Vulture appears to show the same disdain for Speedball that Jeff does. The Vulture refuses. He is no man's pawn. He follows his own agenda. He recently read in the newspaper that Nitro is to stand trial today, so he's going to release him. And the Tinkerer is going to help him, whether he wants to or not. Meanwhile in a prison break... Home of incongruity between issues. I beg your pardon? This uh, storyline has been stretched out over the prior two issues where the Vulture escaped from the same prison that was holding Rusty and Skids. They tried to stop him, but obviously failed. The prison guards are shooting at them now, which can happen, but the two imprisoned youths had time to change out of their prison clothes and into their, oh, let's call them superhero uniforms. And they did that during this gunfight. Blam! This is not the most egregious failure in continuity, 
but it is pretty bad. It seems like the creators are skating by. Was that a skids joke? No. Are you skidding me? Now that's pod racing. It is allowed. Blam! Speaking of skids, her force field is very effective against the guard's bullets, and apparently the rocket that they had on them, as one detonates nearby. She can expand it over herself and Rusty, and the conveniently available delivery truck that they boost. Well, if you're gonna crime, you might as well crime all the way. I'm gonna have to have that made into a t-shirt. And I am going to steal the profits. Nice. That's the spirit. Blam! Should we also mention that Rusty throws a guard out of the truck? As I said. Yeah. Blam! They also ram through the prison gate using a combo pack of flame powers and force fields. Whoops! They are just racking up the points on the old GTA. I mean, wouldn't you? You already have the guards mad at you. You're being held without bail or a court date, and there is a grumpy old man bad guy running around. Time to put on your big boy underoos and kick some bad guy tail. Yeah, and some good guy guard tail while they're there, too. Meanwhile at the Albany Courthouse. Home of the non-law and order judges. Two old men fly down to the bar. Nice. While the vulture has a plan to get Nitro out and cause some damage, the tinkerer has a plan to run away as fast as his orthopedics will take him. But the vulture has said, no. So... If Nitro's so bad, how and why is he on trial? This is easy. They have him drugged in an upright container. Standing trial, so to speak. That just does not seem fair. How's he supposed to speak up in his defense, or glower at the judge, hit the table, or even eat a sandwich? It seems like the vulture agrees, but that's okay. He has a really smooth plan for freeing this splooty dude. Smash and grab? I said smooth. Not sophisticated. Well, what is sophisticated is the Vulture's monologue to the Tinkerer. Don't you see, Tinkerer? The fool who paid you to free me from prison was part of the supervillainous acts of vengeance. And he insulted us. Insulted us both. He knows we are old, and he thinks that because we're old, that we are weak. Unfit for any real participation. He thinks I have nothing better to do than fight a bouncing neophyte like Speedball. But he'll learn. You can't judge a man's potential for destruction by the color of his hair or lack of it. I'll show him vengeance and villainy beyond his wildest dreams. I am the Vulture, and I prey on the dead. And then the Vulture crashes into the courtroom through the skylight to steal the cask of Amontilla Nitro. Crash! Which he promptly does. The vulture is so fast. How, how fast was he? he? He was so fast, he made Speed Racer look like he was coming in second place. Well, I have as much faith in the courthouse guards recovering the mint in package Nitro as I do in Derek's comedy stylings. If only there were some heroes here to save the day. I said, if only there were some heroes here to save the day. Blam! Crash! With a blown tire and a bad parking job, Rusty and Skids arrive on the scene to save the day. Too bad they're on the ground and the bad guys are, you know, up on the roof. Well, aren't you just Mr. Negative? I don't see what you're so worried about. There are a pack of guards on the scene on the roof. I'm sure they can handle these two old guys and their carry-on luggage. Vulture throws a couple of concussion grenades at the so-called blue-garbed imbeciles. Shoof! Taking them out of commission. Oh, I guess that they couldn't handle those two old guys and their carry-on luggage. 
With action climbing up a fire escape, Rusty and Skids climb the building. The vulture forces the tinkerer to do some sciencey stuff to release the Nitro Boy. But before he can celebrate, he is spear tackled by Rusty right off the side of the building. While Rusty is an expert at falling thanks to his long experience with gravity, the vulture has wings and refuses to obey the law of physics. Blam, blam! Oh, goody. The cops are back to shooting randomly at people. Nice. Are you skidding me? Skids is still climbing the ladder, but she does eventually make it to the roof where she discovers that she has arrived too late. Baroom! Oh, great. Vengeance! I will have vengeance on those who trapped me! Soon you will feel the explosive fury of Nitro! Well, let's leave that explosive scene and see how the flight of the non-bumblebees bees. Let's see if Derek and I can sum up the fight. <clears throat> I want to destroy stuff, punch. I want to save stuff, fire punch. I can fly and you can't, punch. I can burn your wings and we can fall. Yoga flame punch. Wumpf. Oops. Ram. Okay, now that we have all the players back on one roof, it is time for some primo Lifefield shouty faces. Everybody is angry shouting at everyone. But really, this has turned into the Nitro show. He's ready to pop no matter what anyone says. All of a sudden, the vulture realizes that he may have made a tiny mistake. Nitro is angry and wants to take down this courthouse. Rusty is out cold, so it's up to Skids to come up with her plan. And it's not the best plan, but it is her only plan. She runs up to the charging, walking bomb and stretches out her force field, surrounding as much area around Nitro as she can. Boom! The plan surprisingly worked. Skids suppressed the explosion, but it really did a number on her. Nitro is majorly annoyed. That was his bestage self-immolation! Man! It's all okay. He just needs a moment to pull himself back together, and he can try again. Or not. Something seems to be off. Skid's smothering of the explosion has caused something to go wonky with his chemical romanceness. He can't explode. No, he actually, like, implodes. The Tinker makes a guess that the concussion has shattered his something-something-sciency, causing the Nitro's comic science to be broken, turning him into a pile of dust. Hooray! Skids would pat herself on the back for a job well done, but instead, she opts to pass out, what with the massive internal bleeding and from all the containing the explosion and all. Meanwhile on Asgard, home of the space pirates. Um, how much of a backstory do we want to give on this? This is like a six-month storyline. How much of this subplot affects the story we are telling? None. Then... I don't know. I got this, guys. I got this. The actual minions, and not the C team that we've been talking about, have been on Asgard doing some Asgard stuff. They have succeeded, but are injured and recuperating. All are healed, all are forgiven, and they're ready to go home. But the Rainbow Bridge is broken. They are stuck there forever and ever. The end. At least until Rob Liefeld comics them back to Midgard again. The end. Nice. Meanwhile, back on Earth, home of the bad guys playing good guys. While it appears that the Tinkerer has skedaddled, Rusty and Skids have been lying down and bleeding on the roof right up to the point that the press and Freedom Force show up. Uh, Freedom Force? Uh, no, no, you're mistaken. That is the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. You both are right! The now government-sanctioned superhero team Freedom Force is composed of some of the former members of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. This little strike force has Crimson Commando. 
the Blob, and Pyro. While they have been government-sanctioned authority, they are the bad guys. Let's not forget that. They waltz on in, declare jurisdiction, and tell the paramedics that Skids will not be going to the hospital. She's coming with them. They're also taking custody of the Vulture and Rusty. Rusty does not like this idea one bit, and he turns on his flame, which causes the Blob to let go of him. Then Pyro douses his flame, and then Blob socks him in the head. Crack! This is all being done in front of the press, and the Crimson Commando spins a tale about how Rusty is nothing more than an A-grade criminal. A criminal that Freedom Force is more than happy to put away. He may not be Patton, but he knows how to give a really long speech. Elsewhere! Home of the... What is this strange subplot in the deep darkness of Wyoming? A group of six mutant terrorists plan a bomb at a research facility. Tick, 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 baroom! Later, as the cleanup and investigation are occurring, the lead investigator receives a call from the leader of the terrorist group claiming responsibility. This is the mysterious head of the Mutant Liberation Front. This is the new era of the New Mutants. This is... a picture of Cable? Yeah, it appears to be. Next issue, stuff will happen that we will not cover. Da-da-da-da-da-da! Ha! Da. Surprise ending, guys. <laughs> Let's talk about the themes of this issue, talking about Power Pack Packaging, where we look at the cover of this fabulous issue, and it is drawn by the one, the only, Rob Leefield and Todd McFarlane. And it is so much Rob Leefield and Todd McFarlane. <laughs> it's uh, Leifeld and McFarlane after Ditko, because it's a shamelessly swiped from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It is what it is. It is. It's what we loved and we wanted from Liefeld and McFarlane. You know. Yep. I think so. I mean, I'm. I, I would never uh, sort of lie about it because I was. I was into comics mm -hmm. when this was all coming out. And and then the other thing you kind of have to remember. I mean, I know you guys kind of, you know, glossed over the 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 arc that came before this, but. I mean, th there were some good artists. There mm -hmm. was, like, Rick Leonardi. There was Brett Bel Blevins, you know, and yep. stuff like that. But then I think even some of the fill-ins, I don't remember who it was, but it wasn't it wasn't quite the excitement I think people were looking for. And I think when, when Rob Liefeld landed on this, that was, you know, just something that everybody sort of, I mean, at least at the time, you know, something that everybody glommed onto. And if you didn't, or you say you didn't, you're a dirty, dirty liar. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the era of Jim Lee and these guys. I mean, this was the new art style. This was yeah, the new yeah. thing. We're going, yeah, we're going away from the Marvel method, the Marvel and DC method, really. I I recently picked up the Treasury edition of Superman versus Spider-Man, which is 1976. But just going through that comic, going through that Treasury-sized comic and looking at the artwork, I'm going, this was what it was for so many years. You know, this was the 70s, the 80s. And going into the 90s, this was what was expected. You had these guys come in and start doing this kind of work, and you're like, oh, this is new. This is exciting. This is different. And then we all looked back going... God, we hated the 90s. It was, it was all pouches. It was all this <laughs> stuff. But that's what we were craving. That's what we wanted. We wanted a radical change from things. And it was, yeah, it, that's the thing. It was new. And it was it was stuff we hadn't seen before. And it became, it, it, it's funny how it almost became a mockery of itself. It became something that you're like, oh, that's really cool. And then it kind of kept going. And it's just like, maybe you've taken it too far. And it kept going. And it's like, okay, now you're a joke. Now you're parodying yourself. And I think you know, but you might not. Yeah. So it, it is fun to go back and look at some of these early issues with this because we're like, now we joke about it, but we're kind of looking at it going, 
I kind of like the art. I kind of, you know, you go into and you're going, oh man, this is so much Rob Liefeld yelling faces and all this stuff. But I'm looking at it going, I like it. I can't help but like it. I don't know why. I, I still do. There's a lot of it that's still really pretty good with it. There's a lot of detail that goes in. But another thing we should mention too, and, and this is germane to what we're talking about here, is in the upper right-hand corner, we've got the little triangle boxes in blue on this one that says Acts of Vengeance. And that's yeah. that's the pass that allows us to talk about this issue during JL May. And why is it Acts of Vengeance? It's because it's the New Mutants, I guess, against a Spider-Man villain, and that's the Vulture. And of course... There's a couple other layers here. The Vulture was actually sent by Doctor Doom to attack Speedball, which also would have been an acceptable acts of vengeance. But he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Instead, he <laughs> fights the two members of New Mutants who are really not on New Mutants. <laughs> Speedball, I'm not going to fight that seed lister. I'm going to go fight two different seed listers. Uh-huh, That'll show much. them all. Now he's, he's fighting the leader of the exterminators, guys. Come on, come on. <laughs> now here's my dirty dark shame. When I first started collecting comics, it was around X Factor tw- issue number twenty one. When I got into it, I'm like, here's who I liked. I liked that original X Men, the original five X Men team I- were on X Factor, and. Who were they training at that time? They were training Skids and Rusty. Yeah, yeah. And so I went back, got the first one of those issues. I saw how Rusty came in. I have always been a little bit of a stand for Rusty and Skids. Hmm. And yes, they are milquetoast upon milquetoast. It's just that they were some of the first characters I was introduced to. And so that's why I've always liked them. But they just poof, disappeared. <laughs> well, I, I I love that X-Factor run. And, and Rusty and Skids were a good part of it. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to spin them off into the X-Terminators. But that didn't really go anywhere. No. And unfortunately, like, I think... This, if you if you are a Rusty and Skid stan, this is their last hurrah, man. Yeah. Because after this, they get Maxi Zoom Dweeby brainwashed, and they're, I mean, they're kind of damaged goods after this point. Yeah. But I mean, this is this is their last kind of like we're the good guys, we're gonna fight the good fight. I mean, if you, I would say, you know, if if you're somebody who liked, you know. Cannonball and New Mutants, if you liked Cyclops and X-Men or Robin and Teen Titans or, you know, whoever, these kind of, you know, teen leader types. I mean, you know, Rusty was trying to make good on things, but man, he got, I mean, his whole kind of comic career or whatever, I mean, he kind of got dealt all the bad cards in the deck, yeah. you know, like, you know, he, he he was hounded for being AWOL, he, he nearly burned the guy to death and all this other kind of stuff, so, like, there's, there's a lot of kind of baggage with that, and then it's funny, because reading this now, sort of in hindsight, you could see how they were sort of steering skids to be more of an MLF type mm-hmm. character, you know, because she's, she's the one constantly in his ear kind of going, well, what did the humans do for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that she refers to them as humans, that's like a, that's kind of a turn, right? Because she's, she's, she's separating them from her and Rusty. Well, you and, know? and don't forget, she also, d- she also came from the Morlocks. She was yeah. a Morlock. Yeah. And she was not your normal Morlock because she didn't have the, disfiguring powers she yeah, wasn't disfigured yeah. by mask you know she there was a lot of things that were on her side where she could pass fairly easily except that she couldn't turn off her, oh, yeah. her shield so she's coming from a very different kind of position where she saw her closest friends destroyed but she was always separate from those people as well there's a potential for them to be interesting but they never worked i think rusty had a much harder path to go i think skids was always a little bit more interesting than rusty but neither one of them really ever latched on and they never 
developed them as characters any more than base level. If you've if you've ever heard Rob Liefeld talk about characters that he's passionate about, I'm not saying I subscribe to this theory because, like Rick, I obviously like the original X Men, but the way he would describe the original team is a bunch of like concentrators and and hand casters. You know, like Cyclops is a concentrator. You know, Jean Grey is a hand caster. Professor X is a concentrator, and they have no offensive weapons, and that's why he goes into his routine about. Wolverine had claws. The swordsman had a sword. Captain America had a shield he could throw. Thor has a hammer he can smash into people and throw and comes back to him and everything like that. And he was always into those characters. And you can see the writing on the wall for Rusty and Skids because they're anything but that, right? Mm-hmm. They have no weapons. There's nothing offensive. There's nothing for him to sink his teeth into. To him, especially to Liefeld, these are concentrators, yep. skids, and handcasters, rusty. Yep. So, I mean, and he's not a, he made do with what was going on in this issue and everything like that, but uh, you could see the writing on the wall, you know? Yeah. yeah, this is, this is the last hurrah from what people really saw. I mean, this is 86, this goes up to 100, but this is where, this is where Liefeld comes in. The last panel is Cable, and that's a nod to the direction we're going. And we made the joke about it that New mutants are all stuck on Asgard, but the ones that are on Asgard, they're going to be brought down and they're going to be part of the A-list team that's going to go forward. And they've got Cable here. They're introducing that. They're, they're introducing M- MLF. We've got Strife's arm that we're seeing here. It, it's all coming See, that, to that, head. That's what's confusing about that, because technically you're like, that's Strife's arm, but then they show you a picture of Cable yeah. and then it's like confusing because eventually, you know... By the, they are. By, by the time, I mean, you know, eventually by the time you get to X-Force 1, he takes off the Strife mask and Strife is, you know, the clone of Cable, yeah. right? So you're like, so so looking back at this, you're like, wait, is that Cable? Is that Strife? Is that, you know, like who, who you know, I could see people like arguing over, you know, you know how they always argue over everything. What, what is it like the, the, the cameo first appearance mm-hmm. versus the first full appearance and all that stuff. And it's like, well, clearly New Mutants 87 is the first full appearance of Cable. Like, does this count as a cameo of Cable? Like, I I guess the next issue blurb definitely, but like you just said, Rick, the 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 guy saying we are the mutant liberation front, our demands are simple. That is not cable, no, no. right? That's you know, so it's like you're like well, I don't know, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And what's what's funny on that uh, image of Strife as well is you know I'm looking at it like oh yeah that's Strife I think I remember this da 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 da. But it was kind of like that really just looks like Cy- uh, not Cyclops uh, Colossus. Mm. You know, like that looks like Colossus, you know his his banded metal arms and his. And his, uh, you know, his his uh, wrist, you know, his his sweatbands on his wrists and his vest. Mm-hmm. That looks, huh? That has a massive for me anyway. I was like, that has massive Colossus vibes going on it. But <laughs> I mean, at this point, it could have easily been like, you know, I, I remember thinking that when I would see Mister Sinister and you know Mark Sylvester mm-hmm. doing the X Men, because Mister Sinister to me was like, oh, that's just like Colossus in like purple and a cape or whatever you know like that was kind of my attitude when i first saw him but even this like you could look at it and kind of go yeah i can see what you're saying because you can't even really tell right like if if you're looking at the one arm right then to me my my instinct is if it's one cyborg arm then it's cable but then the other hand kind of looks cyborg too so i see what you're saying right You're, you're like and maybe even if it's not cyborg maybe it's that organic metal you know like colossus type metal like you you don't really know you know what are we confused by a little bit of art that rob Rob liefeld does what 
Yeah, I know. Crazy. <laughs> Insanity. You, you know, you know, I, I will say though, you know, Bob Bob Wiasek is the the unsung hero, and he's always the unsung hero for me. Like I told him this when I when I met him in Baltimore, because I was like, Man, I didn't realize, you know, like some sometimes it's like you you kinda I don't know. I, I ended up following, you know, authors and pencilers and things like that sometimes when you sort of I don't want to say graduate, you know, because sometimes I still follow things based on characters and companies and things like that. But sometimes you you see work and you kind of go, oh, I like this person's work, regardless of the character or company or whatever. You might kind of follow them to another project because you're like, I like the last thing they did. I'm going to I'm going to check this out. But I guess just looking back at a lot of back issues like this, I, I, I will always find something and go, man, the art in this is really good. And consistently, whether it's Carmine Infantino, whether it's Walt Simonson, whether it's Rob Liefeld, like a lot of the people, you know, that, that are really, really heralded and great artists that I, I have in the back of my head, you know, I sit there and go, oh man, Bob Wiasek did Walt Simonson on X Factor, you know, Bob Wiasek did Carmen Infantino on this great issue of Star Wars, you know, Bob Wiasek did, you know, this issue with New Mutants, and you're just like, man, and, and for sure, I'm like, I'm, I'm like 100% for sure, like, the, uh, this is giving me those Carl Kessel Hawk and Dove miniseries vibes where like, dude, you're, you're throwing in a bunch of extra wooden boxes and, and, and ceilings and, and backgrounds that probably weren't totally fleshed out in the pencils or, I mean, that's just my supposition, but, but I, I do get that vibe from everything in here. It is something that we've seen and we've commented on, especially during our most recent run of power pack is we did a massive power pack does a massive switch around issue 55 55 56 and they get an entirely new creative team including new editors but you lose the continuity of editors of the colorist of the anchor it almost doesn't matter who the writer and artist are it does but i mean there's there's if you lose them and you keep some of the the people who are doing the background things the inking the the editing especially, you're going to have more of the consistency. And once you start losing some of those really key pieces, you notice the difference. Even in something as simple as coloring, we don't we take it for granted a lot of times, but yeah. all of a sudden the color is not there, and our favorite character, their hair color is wrong. Yeah, their, their, their <laughs> costume is wrong. Their yeah. outfit is the wrong color. There's Yeah, everything about them is like, no, that you, you think that this person is that person, and that, no, okay, that's, that's not right. So... Yeah. So I mean, you you definitely have something there. If you look at it, we, we say Bob Wyatt and we're probably wrong on the name on it ourselves. I, I guess I I don't remember if I asked him or not, but I'm just kind of. I think we asked Wheezy and she said it was Wyatt but I could be wrong. Wyatt But I need okay. to point out too, jealous too, because you met him. I, I need to get over yeah. to Baltimore Comic Con to meet all of the heroes and bring over a big poster for them all to sign <laughs> when this COVID thing's over. But no, yeah, I, that, I think you're completely sweet. right with Bob Wyatt Is you have them come in and. And things get a lot cleaner. Things get a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. We, we, let's go back and talk about some of the con- some other content about the book, and that is what the Axe of Vengeance actually is. Do we like the Vulture versus Rusty and Skids, or Speedball, or Nitro versus them? I, I I'm kind of throwing it out there to see what would be a better, or what, or is this a good matchup, or what would be a better matchup? I know that with when we looked at this for Power Pack. It was Power Pack versus Typhoid Mary, which was the most horrific matchup imaginable and should never have been done. What do you guys think about Vulture versus these guys? 
it's the, some of the agenda behind the crossover. I think is to come up with cool matchups, but I think some of the other secret agenda is to introduce readers that normally wouldn't see us. Like, in other words, if you were just following the X books to turn somebody on to say a Spider-Man villain, mm-hmm. and then thus if they enjoy that, like I know for me. I was reading all these books when they were coming out. The the pair of villains that I loved from this series that I never, if you know, because I was I was pretty much like a big Spider Man reader when I started reading comics outside of like Transformers and GI Joe. So I was following all these Spider Man books for Acts of Vengeance, and I loved the Brothers Grimm. I thought they were the coolest ever, and I would have never been introduced to them in say Iron Man or Spider Woman. Like Spider Woman was kind of before my time, and I. I think when they were showing up in Iron Man, I wasn't... My, my buddies liked Iron Man a lot, and sometimes I would, you know, sneak and borrow copies of their Iron Mans, but I wasn't I wasn't collecting Iron Man, right? So, so to me, the first time I ever saw them was as a Acts of Vengeance sort of swapsies bad guy, and, and in that sense, like, maybe the, the notion is like, oh, well, if you're not super familiar with, you know, Walt Simonson's Thor you know, Hella's in some of the previous issues, right? Like, it's funny, because it feels almost like like Wheezy had a plan already to do this kind of fish-out-of-water thing with the New Mutants going to Asgard and fighting Hella, and then in the middle of it, somewhere along the way, somebody's like, hey, we're doing this Acts of Vengeance thing where people swap villains, and she's like, I'm already doing that, guys. And they're <laughs> like, well, you gotta you gotta throw in something else. It's like, okay, well, the Vulture. You know, like, and kind of, like, that. that's that's what it feels like to me. The, you know? the one thing the one thing with the, the New Mutants being in Asgard, I collected all New Mutants and, and the X-Men. The X-Men or New Mutants going to Asgard is actually old hat. Mm. It... I want to say it was around issue 30 or 40, and I might be really wrong on it, but somewhere in there, maybe a little later than that, one of the trips that the New Mutants and X-Men make up to Asgard, Daniel Moonstar actually becomes a Valkyrie. Yeah. So, yeah, the New Mutants being in Asgard, sure. And, and also, it's also, Louise Simonson is writing it. Well, her bringing the New Mutants up to Asgard is as easy as going to the next room and asking Walt, hey, Walt, yeah, where's yeah, Thor yeah. at? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I send can I send Numians up there? Is that is that cool? So yeah, that's easy. It's like that doesn't even seem like a crossover, but yeah, I I, I kind of like this a little bit because it's it would have been nice if there was more A list Numians that were up against the Vulture. I think it would have been mm. kind of cool, but okay. I don't mind the Vulture being being here. I think that he seems a little ridiculous. An old man with a pair of wings. That's it. But he's got this. <laughs> well, he's got he's got super strength. He fights Spider Man. Yeah, he fights Spider. He can fly. He's not just an old man. Yeah. Like, There's something he's, about he's, him. He's just got this anger about him that is like that makes up for a lot. Yep. I think him against Speedball. It's like yeah, Speedball would wipe the floor with him. I mean, it's like he couldn't figure out Speedball. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to figure him out. Well, and then you, if you take the aspect of like, well, it's Vulture versus Rusty and Skids. Granted, my, I'm like, every time I see Rusty and Skids, I'm like, oh, I know who they are. And then they fade out of my mind like nothing. Mm. Every time I look at Rusty, I'm like, what does he do? Oh, he's got flame powers, I guess, and Jod Purse. Whatever. Okay. Skids <laughs> is, Skids is blonde. Skids didn't even engage with Vulture. No. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was, it was the Skids versus Nitro and Rusty versus Vulture and, yeah, you know, that was a fight of I'm gonna grab your leg, and I guess we're at a stalemate now. So <laughs> till I take away your wings and, and reintroduce gravity to the situation. 
Is there is there a better fight that we could have thought of between? I liked your guys's. I mean, I know I know it was kind of in jest or whatever, but I like the idea of like flight versus flight. So like, I know Archangel versus the Vulture was mentioned, but mm-hmm. something else I was thinking is if you're gonna have a you know non. Spider-Man hero fight the Vulture. Like, wouldn't it be cool to see like the Falcon and the Vulture have like an aerial that could be face cool. off with that one another? Really you know, like yep. do like a, a Death Star trench thing, and they swoop around and do all kinds of cool stuff and see who who knocks who out of the sky first, yeah, like it, that kind of thing. Yeah, it becomes a, the maneuverability and yeah, who's the more instinctual, uh, you know, aeronautics person, which would be really really kind of cool. And then Falcon would be able to do things too with like bringing Red Wing in. Maybe Vulture versus uh, just Angel. They would be mm, fairly yeah, yeah. matched. I was thinking if we keep it in New Mutants, Vulture, Vulture versus uh, Cannonball. That could be bloody. I'm um, going <laughs> to give that to Cannonball. I'm going to give it to Cannonball, is, too. Uh, yeah. uh, but, that, but except, yeah. except that the Vulture does have a little bit more maneuverability. That's oh, Vulture the, has way, way more yeah. maneuverability mm-hmm. and uh, just flight experience. Cannonball is very much a, I'm going to thrust this way. <laughs> smash, smash, smash. I, I am now I'm turning. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could get away with, like, Warlock trying to be a biplane or something like that and have some aerial <laughs> engagement with with the Vulture. Yeah. I guess I was thinking, I was. I, I guess I was just thinking strictly of Rusty and Skids, but even if it was the New Mutants, I guess something I was trying to think of is, and there's not, I don't, I don't feel like in this era, this particular era, there's too many teen villainous character like i mean you know they have the hellions for the Mm -hmm. new mutants right but they're specifically kind of designed so that's not necessarily going to be a good swap and i i kept racking my brain and i thought to myself and this might not quite fit with the time frame but i was kind of thinking to myself like what if rusty and skids had to fight like rocket racer and the prowler you know like like something like like where it's like it's like they're kind of spider-man-ish villains but they're also a bit younger you know they're on the young side so you could you know craft some story where it's like i don't know somebody's dad is in the hospital and they you know they need the money and and you know the the loki lackey you know acts of vengeance guy shows up it's like hey you want to pay your dad's hospital bills like go smack around rusty and skids or you know (laughs) what or go smack around the new mutants and they're like oh i feel bad about it like I, I told Spider-Man I wasn't gonna be a bad guy anymore, but I gotta I gotta pay the bills, yep. and and they they get into some kind of fight or whatever, you know. Like, and I was thinking like that might be kind of fun. No, I th- I could go with that. I could definitely go with that. I'm just trying to think if there's any other ones that I would. There are some classic things that came out of Acts of Vengeance, and now I'm thinking about it. I think the X-Men one was Mandarin, if I remember mm-hmm. right, right? Because yeah. that was mm-hmm. that was tied in with uh, Psylocke coming back. Mm-hmm. And actually being switched with Quanon, which then, of course, that becomes more problematic now and, and after it was done. But but Mandarin would have been an interesting one against the New Mutants as well. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the infamous Captain America one where Captain America was just Magneto going and having a chat with Red Skull. Yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was I, – I think – I'm not sure, but I think when all is said and done – that still may be the best Acts of Vengeance story because it's one of the best comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good good comic. That's that's an especially good one. I mean, I I have a soft spot for the whole Cosmic Spider Man thing, but a lot of the matchups I think are just fun. You know, the 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 Punisher going up against Doctor Doom. You know, like the 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 whole kind of like like Doctor Strange had some fun ones where it's like the Enchantress shows up and the kind of hobgoblin demo goblin ish guy kind of shows up and it's like they kind of fit where you're like oh you know that that i mean they're they're kind of 
demonic, magical, like, kind of thing. So it's, like, it's something that, like, will fit for, for somebody like Doctor Strange to fight, but mm-hmm. yet it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily, like, way, way out of his wheelhouse where it's, like, oh, hey, the Juggernaut showed up. You know, like, that's another epic one, the Juggernaut and Thor. Like, nobody had done that before, you know, and it was, like, it was super, super cool. So, like, there were there were lots of yeah. things like that that were really fun. Uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about about this book before we get into our mutant musings? Uh, can't really think of anything. You, Derek? I think I covered it all. Like I, what I wanted to say about like the inks and and the kind of backgrounds and everything like that. I guess I guess the only other thing, if so, I don't forget it is this is I, I just want to make sure I mention because that that's partly like I went with that one voice I went with for Nitro, but I I kind of thought like th- this is the part. It's on page eighteen where before he's like you know feel the fury of Nitro and it's all like kind of you know very elegant and everything, but then it turns into the page where you said they have all the angry my felt yeah, faces, and, faces and basically he's like he's like you're all fools and now you're gonna die like fools let them there'll be nothing left for them to cart away you'll be gone and i'll reform somewhere else you know it's like it's like he doesn't even you know he's got like all the the beginning consonants cut out of his dialogue and i always i always thought that was kind of funny i think we could no prize this because at the beginning when he's freshly formed his mind is working much better but as he's getting closer and closer to blow up part of it's that's already blowing up is his mind and he's <laughs> he's losing his brain cells already maybe Maybe, maybe. And he also has, like, baby hands on that page where he's talking about <laughs> vengeance. Like, well, I was like, what's up with that? Well, like, well, that's because, that's because this is Robin Field, man. <laughs> hands and feet, hands and feet, okay? <laughs> yeah. Baby hands. Baby hands. I, 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 feel, I feel super bad for Rusty, man. Like, look at, like, he took the brunt of the fall, and look at, look at, I, I was just like, dude, he fell on, like, a concrete roof. Like, he should be dead. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> and then Vulture like, starts strangling him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and now that you're on the ground, I will strangle you. You know, it's like, come on, man. Well, I mean, both, both uh, Rusty and Skids, because Skids, I mean, and we're going to get to this probably in art, too, but he uh, Nitro blows up, and Skids, we get her outline of her skeleton. I mean, dear God. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Rusty and Skids, there's a reason we never really see them again. is because they died. They died in this issue. We just, you know, <laughs> they had six months of physical therapy to get over this, this fight. Is, this is twenty years before the five in Krakoa. You know, come on, man. <laughs> Ain't coming back anytime soon. All right, let's move on to our mutant musings, and this is where we are going to look at some of the art and other things in this book that we want to really focus in on. And we'll start off with our refrigerator gallery. What piece of art in the book needs to be on the New Moon's refrigerator back at Xavier's, you know, before it gets blown up? Yep. Let's go ahead and start with some backup joke stuff. And Derek, would you like to go first? What do you got for a good joke one that you found in this book? I don't know. There wasn't too much that I laughed at in this, but I could tell that Vulture was was going for a joke in the beginning of the book when he said, you know, there is no justice, but there is just desserts, eh? Eh? Like so that was that was my that was my backup. He's just sitting there in, in this in this angry man pose. He's the one man <laughs> comic delivering his lines to Tinkerer in the shadows, but really to no one. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> playing to an audience of zero, but but that's he, he's cracking jokes. Jeff, what do you got for yours? My joke backup one is on page twenty-one, and I call it "You're asleep. What's wrong with your mouth?" 
And this is after uh, Freedom Force has showed up and is going to cart away Skids and Rusty. And it, the second panel down shows Skids. She's unconscious. And her, 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 oh, yeah, clench your teeth, but open your lips as wide as possible. And that is, uh, her default face setting is. So Just some people have the, have the resting face, and she's got the resting like my mouth is open. She she's grinding her teeth. That's her face, except for like one very tiny panel. This is her default face setting, and I didn't understand that. You know, it's it's an artistic choice. It's how uh, Life Oil draws her, but it's it's just this concept. It's like you're asleep, you're unconscious. I think your face might relax a little bit. So I, that was this, funny to me. This hurts. This really hurts doing this with my face. Exactly. It, it just. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you on that one. I I can't get my face like that, and when I do, it but hurts a you, lot. It's just if you go through almost any panel that she's in, it's that's her default face. I just don't get it. So it's funny to me. Mine is on page 17, and this is in the midst of the fight between the the vulture and rusty and this is the the last panel of this where i call it men fall down go boom and i'm sorry there's nothing funnier than just seeing this the lines of vertical lines going down the feathers up the little bit of flame and just a ram it's there were people up there now they're not people and now they're on the ground that was a good pratfall i laughed I'm That's a sick good man. One. I'm a sick a man. Bit of, <laughs> bit of wild E. Coyote action for, for Rusty and the Vulture there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have something got a top funny one, man? I know it briefly touches on the conclusion to the the epic Asgard saga, but I, I like the panel on page twenty-two where the Warriors Three come back and Volstag says, The Warriors Three brings the more invalids, you know, because like, they got all the, the wounded, you know, uh, you know, damaged new mutants who have saved the day. So I, I thought that was amusing. Worst <laughs> present ever. <laughs> he knew that you had other ones and he knew that you must like them. So he brought you more of what he figured you liked. Can you bring us a healer? Can you bring us cake? I just, we don't want more wounded and dead. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sir, good day. <laughs> but you don't like healers and cake. I like those. You like wounded people here. Yeah. Volsteg, what is your top funny one? <laughs> <laughs> My top funny one is on page 27, and I call it an absolutely normal stance to have when standing. <laughs> <laughs> This is the bottom right-hand panel, and this was when Crimson Commando was talking to the press and Associated People after uh, they've just punched around uh, Rusty for a little while and is explaining how, oh, you know, Rusty's a villain and he's going to go back to jail. And if you look at him, his stance is, it's a classic Liefeld in the sense that uh, stand up straight. You want to put your chest out. You want to put your shoulders back. No, put your shoulders back farther. 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 Your shoulders need to be about a foot behind your back. And that is Crimson Commando's standing stance, and it just cracks me up because it's like, that's that's not how people stand, sir. It, Jeff, it's okay. You, what you don't understand is that his back has been broken a number of times, and now it is in this massive S curve. So that ah. is actually him standing straight up. It's just that his spine actually goes in this giant you know, okay, he's a yeah, scoliosis it's a, it's a hero. It's a J almost, actually. It's, okay. a, it's a J. I just kind of figured that Crimson Commando was giving the press the uh, Three Amigos salute. You know, he's at, the, <laughs> he's at the tail end of the Three Amigos salute right there. You know? he's, just, he's really, really pushing that pelvis out there. Really. Yeah. 
my best one is on page three, all the way to the beginning of the book. And really, you got a choice of three panels here because it's right in the center of the page. And I just call it like angry old men have no eyes. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and this is just the vulture and the tinkerer emoting their faces at each other and <laughs> they cannot close their eyes anymore it's just nothing but wrinkles and the eyes it's just it's apparently li- being angry in Liefeld's <laughs> world means that you have your eyes constantly closed yeah it's the bi- <laughs> the big squints if you just took away the uh, dialogue balloons you know I think they're having like a bowel movement oh, contest yes or something. yes, yes. You know? <laughs> it's like the vultures are- <laughs> concentrating on it and then Tinker's like no I will outdo you with my bowel movement and the yeah. vulture's like I don't think so fool Prunes all around. (laughs) Why do we have a prune eating competition? (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay, let's let's see if we can find some good art in this book. Well, let's go around the other way here. Jeff, what is your backup good art? My backup favorite one is on page nine, and I call it Yoink. And this is when Vulture has busted into the courtroom and he's swooped down onto the canister containing nitro and is getting ready to fly it out of the courthouse to his own nefarious ends. I just thought that looked really cool. Uh, Vulture looks pretty good and he's also yoinking a big canister that's got handholds on it just conveniently placed for him. I know. I, I think that they, they did a really nice thing for him to put those handholds where he could easily grab them and pull them up. I mean, yep. you know, there's some guy back there, the, the guy who built the thing for him is like, you know, it's not my fault. I told you guys, you put those handholds on there, they're going to get used. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. Yeah, it's like, they're going to come back and blame me. And I'm going to be like, this was in your specs. Fault. You Stupid wanted these handles here. Stupid handles. I'll lose my job again. I'm going to become but an I, evil I, guy. Yeah. But I just <laughs> thought it was it's a good looking piece of art. It's a very nice piece of art. Mm-hmm. What is your backup a good art work, Sir Derek? Uh, it's going to be the, the bottom panel that breaks the rules and bleeds into the border of the the third panel, but I like I like on page 29, it's the three shot of Pyro, Blob, and Crimson Commando. He Crimson Commando's kind of in his little default hero pose, and you've got all these little, you know, boom mics and cameras pointed at them and everything. Like, I think that's a cool, you know, trio shot of the, the you know, this group of Freedom Forcers that are, you know, being so vile and mean to uh, Rusty and Skids. This is my backup good art as well. I oh, chose okay. the same one. Okay. I like this. Old school x-men fan old school x-factor fan well know you know who these three are i always thought this was an interesting shot too because we're seeing three generations of the brotherhood Mm. you got the blob who's always been with the brotherhood of evil means you've got pyro who's kind of part of that second wave that came in around x-men 200 maybe a little bit before then but he was brought in there and then you have the new one with crimson commando who came in a little bit about 20 issues after that so i always kind of like there's a bit of a generations Mm -hmm. there as well no, I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. Well, you, you stole mine, but so I'll just swing back around for the top good art from you, Jeff. What do you got? My top artwork is on page 19, and I call it Nitro Ghost Splody. Yep. Yep, yep, and yep, this yep. is the right-hand panel on the page, and it's showing negative lighting, nitro exploding, and skids. You can you know, see through her into her skeleton. It just looks really, really cool. Yeah, this is my top one as well. I called it X-Ray. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a secret brothers with you guys, because I, I, nice. I like this page as well. I, I even like the, the jumping panel and everything. Like, it's funny, because yeah. I, I like the art, 
I don't think it quite fits with the the captions exactly. Like I I think when when I thought about Skid's power, I was thinking if it's as much of a sacrifice as they suggest. Like I was almost thinking like you, you know how she can put the force bubble around her and Rusty. Like I thought she was going to do that to Nitro and like lock herself in with Nitro. Uh-huh. Whereas this kind of is more of like a. She takes the brunt of the blast, and I, I don't know. They were they're kind of playing fast and loose with it a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I like this shot, but I'm also I also kind of look at it and going. I almost would have done it differently. I almost would have like had her standing there and like have more of like a wall or a cone around him or something, but still having this this shot of like the X-ray occurring. You know, I, I like that. That really shows. It's almost comic, but at the same time, it's also showing you how bad it is you know no this is a good one this is a very very good one all right that brings us to our rubber and glue moment what is the best or most childish insult you know we're still talking about kids new moons kids we can still do childish insults we're gonna do them (laughs) i'm gonna start with mine here my backup one is on page three and it's one that i've used against jeff a number of times myself when i call him a senile old dotard that is such a good one that I made that my first place one. That's my top one. Senile old dotard. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I try to remember here that it's going to. I can't even tell. Remember who said that to who? I want to say that Vulture it was, said that to Tinker. Yeah, I'm just like it could really be either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is Vulture saying it to uh, Tinkerer after Tinkerer was like, I didn't steal your designs. A face appeared there on that computer monitor and gave me the plans and told me what to do and gave me money. Yeah. And yeah, a face Vulture's telling him. Senile old dotard. Exactly. Yep. Uh, okay, Derek, what do you have for a backup rubber and glue insult? My, my backup rubber and glue, it's going to be on page 27, your favorite Crimson Commando stance, but it's actually the panel above that where. Blob is giving uh, Rusty a left hook, um, but he says, uh, the Blob has had it listening to lion, bellyache, and scum yeah. who give honest muties a bad name, you know? So I was like, I was like, I was all, ooh, lion, bellyache, and scum. <laughs> That's on my, my top one. That's my <laughs> top one. I, I, I got to go with the good, the Blob, I knew it was like, Blob's got to have a good insult in here. Blob's got to have a good insult. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. That's what I'm expecting. Right. Well, Jeff, what's your backup one then? My backup one is on page nine, and it is the Vulture, and uh, it's when they've just stolen Nitro, and they're up on the roof, and the police start charging up on the roof, and Vulture sees them and says, too late, you blue-garbed imbeciles. So you blue garbed imbeciles. Blue garbed imbeciles. Like, oh, that's yep. great. That, nice, nice, that, nice, that nice, is, nice. That is my my top pick. The the blue garbed imbeciles. You know, like I, I like that. Okay, we like a lot of the same yeah, things. Yeah. They're all in the same thing. Yeah, so yeah, that's same, great. That's good. That's good. Well, look, we have one more thing to find out, and and this is going to be something a little bit different because usually we do stars and detentions with the kids, but I'm I'm expanding it out. I'm saying we want to identify the best and worst characters in this book. So. Who is the best character? Who is the worst? We always start with the worst. Who wants to go first? Open field. Who wants to say their worst? Who gets the detention? I'm going to say that the vulture gets the, gets the detention. Really? Why the vulture? Lack of gratitude for being freed. Hmm. Insulting Tinkerer, who did all the stuff to get him out. Not 
paying off his debt of like, okay, go fight Speedball. He's like, no, screw that. I am instead going to go free Nitro, who seems to... Here's what I know about Nitro. Nitro, okay, is the whole Silver Civil War thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. Nitro explodes... He, he kind of That's what I know about Nitro. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he yeah, also yeah. kind of indirectly contributed to the death of Captain Marvel, you know? Like that was yeah. kind of oh, that was okay. kind of his fault too, you know. He was the one who exploded and opened those gas canisters that gave Captain Marvel cancer. So, I mean, I I'm kind of like I don't like Nitro. Like he's <laughs> Nitro has never been used as a good story. No, point. no. Yeah. No. Nitro shows up something bad is about to happen. Does Nitro have any personality other than I explode? Mm. No. I'm not happy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. He, he's, yeah, a, he's a one-trick pony. He's a splody thug. Like, that's basically his description. So my or- original intent was, I'm thinking, it's going to be Nitro. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is Nitro who you know is going to... Nitro is a scorpion. They're mm. going to follow their nature. Yeah. Vulture actively went and said, like, I'm going to release the scorpion. And it's going to stab all the frogs. Yeah. You know why? Because I got freed from prison. <laughs> I just thought that Vulture was worse because Vulture was like, yeah, of course I gave handguns to those kids in the playground. Why wouldn't I? So, <laughs> Well, I, 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 I can see your point. I disagree. I think the Tinkerer was the worst because he is nothing more than a whiny loser. Hmm. I thought the Tinker was great. He almost got my uh, top score because he's oh, no. just like, he's just like, look, I did a job. I don't want to be involved. No, you're coming with me. I don't want to be involved. No, that's great. <laughs> and yet, and yet, he keeps getting pulled along. Like, fine, I'll do this thing. Fine, I'll do this thing. He just seems extremely ineffective. <laughs> he really is. So I just the Tinkerer's never been like a field guy. Like, so him yeah. being thrust into this is is very outside of his comfortability range. And and the Vulture, kind of like Jeff is saying, is his his thing. I think is. Not only is he giving little kids firearms or whatever, but he's he's saying like, oh, you know, this will make them take me seriously. Like, like finally, all my peers and colleagues will think I'm awesome <laughs> because I distributed yep. pop guns to little children. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, well, duh, like that. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out the way you think it will. You know, so and he drags poor Tinkerer along for the ride. So I don't know. See, yeah. I just, I just, I got tired of the Tinkerer whining. He just every time I was like, oh, maybe I should choose. Oh God, he's still whining. <laughs> just do something. Just do something. Okay? He tried to. He tried to leave and he couldn't he couldn't escape in time because the vulture was so fast Derek, how fast I, <laughs> we're back to this <laughs> yeah how fast was the vulture let's hit some more jokes uh he was so fast he didn't have time to slip on the ice that Iceman left uh. <laughs> there you go i killed it yes yeah, he did it. Good uh, job. Derek, what's you who, who did you think was the worst was it nitro uh i picked crimson commando because i i hate him i hate him so much <laughs> I, I do too like, i do too He's talking to yep. uh, the the media, the paparazzi, and then and then the fact that like he's the one who's like, yeah, we'll take responsibility for skids dying. Like I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> like what? Yeah, he is a horrid, horrid. He's a murder grandpa. That's who he is. He's a murder grandpa. He was introduced hunting people. Yeah, yeah. He is a people hunter, <laughs> and that is his best characteristic. <laughs> 
He, he is horrible. horrible. I, I guess he fits in with the theme, though, right? He's another grumpy old man, but he's yes, just—he's—he's he he's just the deadliest game grumpy old man or something like yeah. that. He's gonna make—he's yeah. uh, gonna put Walter Matthau in a cage and hunt him on the island or something. I don't know what, what what's up with that. <laughs> All right, let's go with the best. Who is the best? Who gets the star of this one? I'm going to say Skids. I, I'm giving it to Skids because... Really? Yeah, because just for the simple fact that she's like, I'm going to put my body in front of this exploding canister. It's like, we have we are in a no-win situation. I've got only one thing I can do, and that is jumping in front of the bomb and trying to minimize damage. And just for that, I was like, okay, that's good. She she did a hero job. She sacrificed herself, and I, I gave her credit for that. Derek, who do you have? <laughs> um, I, I picked Cannonball because of his line about, you know, Thor <laughs> <laughs> risked his life for folks on, on Midgard time and again. It was time us humans returned the favor and everybody's like happy and everything. So I was like, yeah, you the man, Cannonball. Yeah, yeah. Cannonball. <laughs> That's actually a good one. That's actually a good also, one, yeah. And yeah. also after he got the elixir of life that recovered he's him and fixed his hand around, and everything, right? he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, uh, my friends are also very injured. Is there more of that for them? So yeah. that is an amazing choice. I really think that Derek is on the, on the head with that one. That was a great one. Rick, not so much because I thought skids would be my choice originally, but then when it's like going back to a thing we had said mm. earlier, she was like, you know, l- let Vulture release Nitro on all the humans. Mm. What have they ever done for us? True. So what if a bunch of them get exploded? There's that one line that made me feel uncomfortable where she tells Rusty, she's like, you better watch out or Rusty will light up or whatever. You know, like, I forget what the line is, but it's like, she basically says, like, set those guys on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> like, th- didn't burn that guy's <laughs> face. Remove that <laughs> I'm like, well, dude, honey, your boyfriend took a vow not to do that to human beings. Like, he doesn't want to do that. To be fair, though, she is sitting there and and staying there as her her force field is having bullets ricochet off of her. So I'm like, yeah, I kind of get where she's coming from, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Vaguely, but hey, in, in their defense, the police shot at a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, yeah. Their guns yeah. were set on, on go, uh, just in everyone that you saw. No, uh, I picked Rusty because he... He was doing the hero thing. He was mm. like, we need to go help the people. Mm-hmm. We need to go stop the vulture. We need to, first of all, vulture escaped from prison. We need to put him back in. We need to stop Nitro. Hey, you know what? I'm going to grab vulture who's flying away and I can't fly, but if I make it so that he can't fly either, we're both going to be, you know, I'll remove him from the equation. So I thought that Rusty was doing all the things that like a hero needed to do. So I thought he was the best kid. It, it, except for, except for he didn't manage to succeed. Like, like he had the right attitude, right? Like, like yeah. I under, I get what you're saying. Like that's why I feel bad for because it's like he he was doing, he was checking all the right boxes and doing all the right things. But then when when the end finally comes, and that's why I hate Crimson Commando so much because when the end finally comes, they totally twist it against him, and mm-hmm. and he yep. can't. He can't expose them. Like, that that was their whole plan for, like, the last six issues. It's like, one of these days, we're going to get the press, and we're going to expose you. And I'm like, they're right there. Like, do it. Like, yeah. but they can't, that, you know? Like, they can't. That was frustrating to me because it's just like, you just don't want her talking because she knows your secrets, your dark, deadly secrets, your terrible secrets. Well, she's not the only one. It's just like, just tell them. Tell them. Tell yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Tell Say them. It. Say it. Yeah. Spill it. Tell them you're missing your opportunity. No, you know the, that thing that you needed—the opportunity. This was it. Yeah, that was Take that was it. the opportunity, and you missed it, unfortunately. Yep. We we can't do that because otherwise, no dramatic tension. Yeah. 
We've given out the stars in attention. Last thing is we got to talk about our beverages. What do we think of the beverages? Jeffrey, what did you think of Milk Stout Nitro America Stout? I am enjoying it. It is a very smooth stout. Mm-hmm. It's got a pleasant flavor. It is what I am looking for in a beer and a stout. It's not exceptional. No. It is very... It, it's exactly what I want, but it is nothing exceptional. No, I agree. I agree. I like this. This is enjoyable. I could drink this all day long, but at the same time, it's like, it is incredibly average. But yes. there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to penalize it for it because I, it's enjoyable average. It's just... It is just a smooth drinking beer. I'm kind of hovering between the 3.5 and 4 range. I'm trying to figure out where it's going to land on that. I I would probably drink it again, so I think I'm going to go go with the 4. Yeah, I'm I'm in the 4 household as yeah. well. But no, if if you get find this, uh, I think it's relatively easy to find. A left well, if you're on the West Coast, uh, <laughs> Left Hand Brewing Milk Stout Nitro. <clears throat> Quite tasty and once again, probably the best nitro on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that leads us to Kids Perspective, and that's where Rick talks to his daughter about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. Well, we're here to talk about something completely new, aren't we? Yes, we are. And it turns out to be something I just, just, just started on. Well, yeah, you haven't read any New Mutants at all before, have you? No. But you have read the old X-Men, right? Yes, some of it. (laughs) And you have seen some of the New Mutants. Well, you haven't seen these New Mutants. You have seen some New Mutants before in Power Pack, right? I think so, yeah. Bobby DaCosta, Sunspot, Warlock. Yeah. Daniel Moonstar, Wolfsbane, Cannonball. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of them are in this issue, though, right? No. Well, they (laughs) are. There's one part where Cannonball's in it, and you see Wolfsbane in a uh, picture or two. Wait. Yeah, there's like two or three pages where they're on Asgard. Oh, is that uh, way, way, way over here? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's like Cannonball, and but they don't get that much time on this in this episode, do in this issue, do they? No. Instead, it's mostly about Rusty and Skids. Yeah. What'd you think about them? I don't know. <laughs> Did you like them? Not like them? Were they kind of boring? I think I might need to know seems a bit more about them, but so far they've seen like interesting characters, so maybe. I'd like to know a teeny bit more about them, or is that all I need to know about them? Well, the funny thing is, um, more or less, this is one of the last real issues that they're in. They've got a couple more appearances, but they're even more removed from who their characters really are. This is kind of one of the last appearances, really, of Rusty and Skids. Okay. (laughs) If you wanted to find more about them, you'd have to look at X-Factor, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Kind of interesting, not incredibly interesting, though. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Well, what about the bad guys? You've you've seen the Vulture before, right? I've seen the Vulture. And you watched the one Spider-Man movie with the Vulture, right? Yeah. But that's not really this Vulture. No. What did you think of the Vulture? He seemed like a normal Vulture guy, but who's this guy that they're... The Tinkerer or Nitro? Nitro. Nitro. So, well, what do you think his power is? Exploding stuff? Exploding himself. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. He's a bad guy that can blow himself up. And it looks like they put him in this box thing? Yeah, (laughs) they caught him and put him in this box and put him on trial because he blew people up. Makes sense. Yeah, he's a bad guy that blows himself up. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) And, And then the Tinker is another old guy, right? Yep, just another oldie. 
Besides the fact that you know nothing at all about New Mutants, really most of these characters, did you find the book interesting? Yes, and at this time you had me read this. You had me read another Power Pack book. Yeah. And it's one that I didn't like, and so I actually thought I liked the New Mutants one better than the Power Pack. <laughs> yes, folks, you heard that right. In the middle, of the, like pretty much in the middle of this New Mutants series, I decided I liked it better than this really, really bad Power Pack one. <laughs> what did you think about the artwork in the New Mutants book? Um, I like it. it what, what do you think about it? It's a, it's a lot different than what you've been seeing, like in the Power Pack books and kind of the old Marvel style. What did you think about this? Is it exciting? Is it interesting? Is it a little too much? What do you think? I don't know. Maybe it could have been maybe a te- just a teeny bit better, but otherwise it's probably good. It's just good? Yeah. Is it exciting to you at all? Yeah, maybe they could put... Maybe a teensy bit more expression on the vulture's face in this first page. When the vulture gets angry, he just closes his eyes. That's his expression, right? Hmm. It's kind of an ugly expression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all done by Rob Liefeld. And at this point in time, he was the new up-and-coming artist, one of them. The cover was done by him and Todd McFarlane, who you've met Todd McFarlane. Yes, and Todd McFarlane actually took the time to look into a comic book that uh, me and my cousin had made. Yes, it was very cool. But... He signed it. <laughs> Rob Liefeld was really up and coming, and he was making new characters, and he was kind of becoming, he would eventually become the writer as well as artist on the book. But the writer here is Louise Simonson. Yep, yep, yep. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of liked her seeing her name again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about about this book? Not really. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I always appreciate it. Um, you're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Ah, very insightful. Very insightful, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us. And now that that's done, I want to ask Derek, where can our listeners find you on the magicalness of the internet? So the listeners can find me for podcasting over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. There's all kinds of podcasts over there. And if you like listening and watching on YouTube... Um, you can go over to hocof.blogspot.com, which is short for History of Comics on Film, where it covers chronologically the uh, film and TV of comic books that are adapted to film. Nice. And being a big film kind of fan, I like that. I need to check that out a bit more. Speaking of which, you can find us on the other shows that we're on. We sometimes do some junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, and I have a wonderful little show that's called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, which comes out every Monday, so it's not monthly, it's weekly. Figure that out. But you can find that over at the Longbox Crusade, or you can find it over on its own podcast feed now, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Before we go, I'd like to say once again, thank you very much to Derek for the wonderful opportunity to be on JL May and the Acts of Vengeance. Thank you for coming on our show and dealing with us and our crazy script. <laughs> it was an f- absolute pleasure to talk to you. This was awesome. Thank you guys very much. And yeah, like Rick said, thank you so much for joining us. This was really great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining and everything. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, even if I am the master of ceremonies, I don't know that there's going to be a bunch of podcasts or not. I have no idea, but I, I'm looking forward to, to all the ones that come out, including this one.
Jeff and Merck present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco, California that is overseen by one three-and-a-half-year-old child. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck present, our email address, Jeff and Merck present, all one word at gmail.com, or on our website, Jeff and Merck present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is Jeff and Merck present. And if you would like to help us support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, and share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. Snoopy the dog and my dad. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Strength of the Titans. All music is by Kevin McLeod and Accompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <clears throat> Yay. <laughs> you want to check on the status of your character? <laughs> <laughs> 75, 75 cents. cents. Money, money, money! Money! <laughs> Yeah, these things always crack me up. I'm like, oh, that actually sounds kind of cool. How much do you want? <laughs> oh, man. That is why they have the children ask your parents permission, because if you it's didn't, small. boy, howdy. Boom. Skids joined the New Mutants, along with Rusty, Richter, and... Boom. He was also informed that the Vulture was to attack a specific hero for this price of pre... Mmm. <sighs> Oh, this is easy. They have him drugged and in an uptight... Mm, no, uptight. Boom. <clears throat> okay, I gotta figure out what voice I was using on this. Uh, old. Yeah, I know, but I need to do a different old. <laughs> Boom. I think I might have an idea. Okay. He was so f- he was so fast, he would have beat Reed Richards to a uh, Worst Parent of the Year award ceremony. Ooh, good one, good one. You like that one? Yeah, yeah. He was so fast, he makes Speedball look like Slow Square or uh, Slow Cube. He was so fast, he looked Rocket Racer look like he was standing in cement. <laughs> he was so fast, he made Speed Racer look like second place. Oh! <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want to do more of these. No. These are fun. <laughs> I don't care. And then the show's done. Whoever. Show's I liked, done. We're uh, done. <clears throat> Edit show's that. done. I, I liked uh, one of the characters, and they were, they were <laughs> the end. The explosive fury of Nitro. Nice. I don't know. Does that work? It, <laughs> no, was, that's it great. was weird. It was. It was. You know, it was weird. Like, like two panels later, I'm like, okay, like, why is he talking like all like? But then I was gonna get out of there and do the thing. So I was like, wait, wait. He's. Sw- it's like he's all eloquent. It's like it's like old Herb Trim Hulk speak or something. You know, like one minute, one minute he's got mono. You know, he's monosyllabic, and then the next minute he's like super eloquent. You know, I was so, actually I go- thinking like it was gonna be like a like I'm a big bad dumb guy, and you went with like a yeah, Skeletor, Beastman, Beastman. So no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Then Pyro douses his flame, and then Bob. 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 Boom. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Let our, let your friends. <laughs> I just no, let our friends know because not all. Let our friends know about the show because most of them probably don't they, listen. They, they don't talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
They don't talk to us. They don't like us. 